I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. I'm Thomas O'Neill White. I'm Angelie Preston. We need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is What's Next. A dedicated hour to have important conversations about the issues facing the marginalized and underrepresented communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truth. What's Next continues our mission to discuss race, equity, and the common concerns of Buffalo's East Side and beyond. In the suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. All right. I'm host Thomas O'Neill White, and on today's episode, we are discussing the state's proposal for the construction of the Kensington Expressway and Humboldt Parkway. With me today is Gina Davis, president of Just Breathe Block Club Association and Humboldt Parkway resident Terrence Robinson. Thank you both for being with us today. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Project 551252 on the New York State Department of Transportation's website is the state of New York's plan to reconnect Humboldt Parkway by tunneling roughly 4,000 feet of Route 33 between Dodge and Sydney Streets. There has certainly been mixed feelings, passionate feelings, and concerns from the community who would be most affected by this project, which is estimated to cover cost over $1 billion and that is residents of Buffalo's east side, and more precisely, folks that live in the neighborhoods around Humboldt Parkway. I've been talking a little too much. Gina, let's start with you. What's the sense you are getting from the east side and Humboldt community about this project? The sense that I've been getting these last couple of days since our meeting is uh, no. Community doesn't want it. And, and why specifically? What, what, are, what have you heard? The concerns are um, the homes being destroyed, um, you know, with the with the blasting, and the concern of health issues, and um, even if um, the city had, and they have, they they've had their meetings publicly, in the state, excuse me, not the city, and when the community came out Thursday night, that was some of their first time coming to one of these meetings. And I was surprised that I'm not seeing one or two that said, I don't think two that said they wanted the project. It was really, because one guy told me that the girl that came with her, she was all for the project until she got the information that night. So it really mm -hmm. made an impact. And not that we want to bash down the project. You know, mm -hmm. life is full of changes and we know that. But we, the community, just want to have what's going to be healthy for us and also economically improving for us and benefit all of us mainly where we live right and and terry you've lived in the humboldt neighborhood for six decades what was the area like when you were growing up and how has it changed over the years wow that's a that's a span but it's pretty there's been a dynamic change and some of it is uh You'd have to live through it to understand what it was, but it saw a transition from a predominantly white um, second, third generation uh, German-American Jewish inflow to a very dynamic African-American community in the second half of the 20th century, about 
10 of those years in between was watching that transition. And then uh, I'm seeing another transition happen again in these last 10 years of what was a overwhelmingly African-American community into seeing an influx of uh, new folks. So along with that, the, uh, the institutions, the, the, uh, the businesses, the, the things that make a community a community, all of that's changed along with that mm-hmm. uh, over time. So and th- that's the more complex stuff, to tell you the truth, when you look at all of it. it it's, but it's been an amazing in, in short, uh, in my six-plus decades there, an amazing place to live. What, what makes the neighborhood so dynamic? The people. <laughs> the people. I mean, and it's always been. And it, but what, it, what has interrupted that is this 33 Expressway. So it's completely destroyed, if you will, the flow of the communities. And it's destroyed the... Con- the the neighborhoods, um, because the organic flow that happens with having a, uh, well, back in the day it was a, a bar at every corner along with uh, <laughs> along with the corner supermarket, but that was part of it. And mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, butcher, baker, candlestick, maker, every three or four blocks to this barren thing that we have now and disconnectivity is the basic story with that. Do you feel left out in the consultation process of this project? Well, the whole process has been engineered to support the outcome that they want. So the state, you mean New York state department of transportation has a infrastructure issue where the 33 at this time has passed. It's, its life, past existence. So then we're going to have to rebuild it immediately anyway. Mm-hmm. They, they found a way to uh, cover part of the cost with federal infrastructure and, and that type of money to, uh, to reimburse maybe 80% of what the state out. But the state outlay was going to be what it had to be at this point, whatever, the seven $800 million for construction at this point, which is going to rise with the inflation and time and et cetera, so that you're looking at whatever one and a half, two billion dollar project by the time's all said and done. But they had to face that in terms of whether they were going to continue this infrastructure. And uh, those are the real questions. Whether you, why and how and what are you doing with continuing and replacing this infrastructure? versus any other alternative. And you were interviewed by a local TV station recently, and you, <laughs> I'm going to quote you by saying, you, you said the fix is in. What do you mean by that? I mean that this is a plan in a box <clears throat> that comes from Albany to begin with, and it has absolutely no regard for the best interest of the people that either live in the area and in a larger sense the uh the larger buffalo community because that's who we're part of and all of this Mm -hmm. works together so what they've done is they have a project that relies on uh 
mid-20th century, auto-centric, count-the-car stuff without any regard for the people that live there, for the people that live around, for the uh, city of Buffalo, and for and for any of the consequences. It's an environmental disaster. It's a social disaster. It's a poorly planned project, even from an engineering point of view. Gina, do you feel left out in the consultation process of this project? You mentioned that you were sort of blaming yourself mm-hmm. for not being, and, and, and for like the community not being as in tune to the project as they should be. Yes. I don't feel left out because um, ever since I reached mm-hmm. out to the DOT, um, they they were very nice. They explained everything to me. And I even learned more having a conversation than the two meetings I went to. Mm-hmm. And when I had asked the question about the digging, I watched the video, and I wanted to understand it, though, and I, and I said, um, correct the joke about it going 10 feet, and I said, Cass is going to go six feet deep. Why are you going 10? <laughs> but, but, you know, uh, that's when I said, wait a minute. I said, are you guys aware of Buffalo sitting on a fault? Fault line, Crendon fault line. And the woman said no, introduced mm-hmm. me to a project manager, and that's when he said he would like to come to our community meetings and explain. He since retired, so they sent you know, the guy that came Thursday night. However, I really was um, pleased with the conversation and um, to mm-hmm. send a representative because legally the DOT have given the community their guidelines of however they were going to do the project, having their public meetings and mm-hmm. hearings or whatever mm-hmm. they did, according to what they had to do, they've done. Right. So I was thankful that Thursday night, and I thank everyone that came out, um, to express and understand the project. So when it comes to feeling left out, I don't. Because Terry has given me a lot of information I didn't know. And I'm talking to more community leaders that, that has more experience with mm-hmm. this type of project. Mm-hmm. My concern, um, I'm a 15-year cancer survivor. And I did not even think about doing no community work until I was going through cancer. And mm-hmm. I seen work being done right across the street from my house. So I asked the neighbors if they know what was going on. They didn't know. So, you know, I walked over there, introduced myself. Long story short, um, the concern that we should have, we don't have. And it should not come out when it affects you personally. Right. Your community is you personally. So this is where I feel our community has to be more involved and engaged at what is going on. It's not just if it happened on the east side and I live on the north side, that's not my issue. If you live in the city of Buffalo, it's your issue. And this is where we are with this project. Mm-hmm. This is not, oh, I don't live near MLK Park. Mm-hmm. So I don't live in the Madison District. I don't live in the Ellicott District. But it's still going to affect you. We got this traffic that's going to be over, over 80,000 commuters daily that comes in, that's coming in and out of our city, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which that is taking revenue. And we're already getting the submissions. But my concern was a couple couple weeks ago, maybe um, maybe two months, when we had the... The smoke from Canada. Mm-hmm. So yes, let's just think over about the summer. that. Let's just right. think about that. That was over in Canada. Now we get this blasting done right here in the city. There's asbestos in the walls, I found out. Mm-hmm. In the walls of the... Of this tunnel, the 33. Right. So what do you think is going to happen? Oh, don't now my that. main concern <laughs> is health. I'm telling you, that's my concern. 
as well as everything else, because decision that we make today or don't make today is going to affect our legacy because right. of what we didn't do today. So that's well, why sure. I have this passion to find out. Listen, let's get together. Let's let's talk about this. And I'm not saying shoot the project down, but let's talk about this project some more. Well, I know <laughs> but let's talk about this project some more because, yes, we need some changes. Yes, we, we need, definitely we need um, traffic control. So let's talk about it more. And to be presented to people in a community that does not know anything about a project, it can be frustrating. Because I have all the comments right here. Oh, that's right. From from, from Thursday, Thursday night. Yes. yes. From the Thursday Q&A. And yes, because um, I read them. I read them again mm -hmm. this morning. And I'm mm -hmm. saying, wow. You know, just to read them, you know, and feel, even reading them, how people feel. And one just says, stop the project. <laughs> so... You know, and it's 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 sad because we don't come out and engage more of what's going on in our community. That's my whole take. We have to get more involved. Is is there anything that stood out to you from reading those comments? Mm -hmm. or, or, or was there was there a consensus in the cards? <laughs> I know there was a resounding no. We're we're taking a look at at the cards from the uh, Q and A with the with the Department of Transportation uh, from this past Thursday. What do it take to stop this project? That's that's pretty resounding. Yeah, that is pretty resounding. Yeah, it, it was quite a few. Well said. said. And, and and but a lot of them also wanted to know how can a community be more engaged, and we can we can be more engaged, mm -hmm. and this is what. Our cry is, and I know Terry feels the same way, come out and understand more what's going on. We have to be more engaged. Like, Terry's a wealth of knowledge, and they've done research that nobody would have done just sitting around saying, oh, what's the project going on? Right, because I live there. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. right. So, And I don't live far from right. there. Exactly. But I've never done this type of research. I'm, I'm saying, let me understand more about it. So what do you do? You network and you find out more. And this is what we're Every doing. Every day. Every right. day you hear something new. Right. Can, you, can you take us through that, through your process, Terry, with this project? Well, other than the lived experience of it, mm -hmm. and I look back and I say, you know, it's by design that the community is, quote unquote, disengaged. Because that's one of the effects mm -hmm. of the previous project, the 33. What it has done is just absolutely shattered the cohesiveness of a community that is joined together. And it's deliberate, and it's by design, and they exploit it just like they're exploiting it in this in this uh, process. Like I say, it's been engineered. It's engineered to stay under the radar to a certain point to when you finally release the uh, documents and information that it's overwhelming, and there's 350 pages in just the draft design report environmental assessment piece, the DDREA, with appendices that run into the thousands of pages, and they say, give me your feedback within 30 days, 45 days. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely engineered to mm. move it through to mm -hmm. get, listen, if, if you have a project that spends over a billion dollars in a predominantly residential neighborhood that is going to happen in the space of four to five years, and you come back with a determination that it is no short-term or long-term environmental impact, what possible project could have an environmental impact if one like this does not have? 
So I'm saying it's it's absurd almost on its face, but it's engineered to get the result they want to, which is vehicle miles traveled, 70,000 cars. Well, actually 35,000 cars, two trips each way. Right. Out of the 70,000, probably 60, 65,000 of them are local traffic, people that shoot on, grider off, that run downtown, get on the 33. The only connect, the only people not being connected and they are being disconnected are those four disadvantaged census tracts that are going to host this construction for four years. We, they're removing the Humboldt on and off ramps. We'll have to leave the census tract on a narrow, more narrow road with greater traffic to get in and out. We're completely disconnected from the thing that we're hosting being built from the four years of blasting and sanding and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's completely the opposite, but it's doublespeak. It's, 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 it's designed, to, they designed it to, to claim that it's an environmental benefit when it's exactly the opposite on every level. And I was going to play devil's advocate here, and that seems like a, a, he, a, a, a something, a heavy lift right now. But from the state's point of view, this project is reconnecting Humboldt Parkway, they say, and Hamblin Park neighborhood with MLK Park, 11 acres of green space. What's the problem? The problem is you're connecting Sydney to Butler, and you're collecting, connecting Riley Avenue to Fillmore. You're going from nowhere to nothing. So what are you collecting? You're, you're eliminating the major transportation arterial through the thing that you're hosting five years of inconvenience uh, building. I live, uh, what, 40, 50 feet from my front door to the uh, retaining wall there. The entire retaining wall has 250,000 square feet of asbestos-containing material throughout the, the project area. Don't and they, there's strategic absences in the report they gave us to review. For instance, the Dodge Street Bridge, bang, hit by a, a truck. They close it down. They've done repairs. They've done repairs, but there's no mention of it in the report. Why could that be? It maybe it has to do with the removal and disposal of the asbestos-containing uh, material, which would confirm exactly where it is and how it is. I don't know that, but I know that there's no report in the record regarding the, the, the repairs to the Dodge Street Bridge. All of those sort of things. All, the selective use of, of uh, statistics, the, the, the off-ramp, somehow they're claiming in one part of the report that there's going to be a reduction in air emissions because of some sort of reduction in vehicle miles traveled. Meanwhile, they say there's a 0.25% increase annually in the rate of vehicle miles traveled. In other words, they're saying, we got to keep this arterial open, it's vital for the increasing traffic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, at, and at one point, and then at the other one, they're claiming that there's going to be less vehicle miles traveled in terms of the air emissions. So, I mean, everything about up. it is off the wall. Tell me more about this asbestos issue. Um, are they, they're, they're supposed to re be removing it during construction? Well, if you look at the, if you look at the uh, 
documents that they submitted. And there's certain ways that they're going to remove the retaining walls. Right. One of which is is to drop it into trucks below. Another one is to saw certain panels. Another one is jackhammering, et cetera, et cetera. But the asbestos-containing materials report, according done by uh, Watts Engineering, and that they're just basing it on the historic records of the way the thing was constructed. The backs of the retaining walls were covered with this product bituminous 61. It's essentially like a coal tar thing to waterproof it. They waterproof the back of the retaining walls. That material has asbestos-containing material. Now, as to the condition of the retaining walls, particularly the ones that are facing to the dirt and earth behind it, and based on the what we see from the exterior of those walls with the ex, uh, exposed rebar cracking, et cetera, et cetera, on the other side of it, pretty much indicates that there's probably that the rear of the walls have deteriorated mm-hmm. in the forty years life. And so the stuff is, even though they say they haven't um, been able because it's inaccessible and it's below the roadway, the same technique to waterproof it. Uh, until they tear it up, they can't tell you for sure, quote-unquote, what's there, but that's what was used to to seal it and make it waterproof. So the question as to whether it's, quote-unquote, friable or not at this point is, to some extent, academic. They'll be making it friable when they demolish those walls, and they demolish the walls because this is not a... uh, this is a construction project. Mm-hmm. This is an entirely new structure, a, a tunnel almost a mile long. They're going to remove every whatever happens with this project. You remove whatever is there now, and you're replacing it with a new structure. Mm-hmm. Um, unless, of course, if you restored it and just filled it in and didn't have to deal with the bulk of the removal and disposal of the hazardous material. I mean, that's an option, but uh, which I think is the smart one at this point, but you'd have to study that more. But the, the, the whole structure that exists now is permeated with asbestos-containing material. How that could not be a potential for... Uh, Exposure mm-hmm. and environmental of a short or long term. I mean, when you look at what they're telling you, they're going to be doing construction in a one mile distance for four years. It may be a temporary inconvenience to someone else, but for the next four years of my life, 200 feet at a time, they're going to do the east wall, they're going to come back and do the west wall, mm-hmm. and they're going to do the construction in between. So how do you hammer this point home to the state? Well, you know what? I think what you do is if I, that's the, the, the one solution at the present time is to have an environmental impact statement with an honest assessment of the potential impacts. If you do that, that's, taking, that's putting people back into the mix. But they have stated that they intend to, and they this reports as they're moving forward with what in the feds is called the uh, uh, finding of no significant impact in in the state environmental quality review act. The seeker, it's actually a negative declaration 
um, uh, the the um, DOT Department of Transportation has their own terminology. They call it a determination of uh, uh, a donsey of no significant uh, impact, but it's a negative declaration, neg deck. Uh, so to even pretend that you could have not a short-term or long-term impact environmentally from a product from a project of this nature, this magnitude, is absurd on the face. So mm-hmm. if you go to an environmental impact study that that has honest data, uh, I mean, think about it. This is 50 years of 70,000 cars plus a day going through there. Why mm-hmm. are there no epidemiological studies? Why are there no studies of increased asthma or cancer rates as a result of this transportation facility through this neighborhood? If you don't have that kind of data to hand after 40 or 50 years, it shows a callous disregard mm-hmm. for the for the people that live there. And not only that, but I mean, knowledge for the rest of the community that when you have this much transit through a such and such neighborhood, you may expect an increase in uh, that data should be there. Right. And and to your point, this the area that we are speaking of has a number of daycares, a number of places of worship and two community centers. Uh, uh, again, when you look at the people, this is a historic. Now, now I'm a preservation guy, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, I can the, tell. The, the historic <laughs> aspects of it are that, and when you speak to uh, uh, their studies and they're telling you that the inconvenience and the way that it will be regulated and monitored, et cetera, et cetera, churches have community services at different times than businesses. Mm-hmm. You, you see, so when we're talking business hours, it depends what business you're in. But I mean, there's these five or six, and some of them absolutely historic congregations. When you talk about the Humboldt Parkway Baptist Church, it is the congregation that moved from the Michigan Street Baptist Church to Humboldt Parkway. Baptist Church in 1962. And because of their old linkages with going back to uh, uh, pre-Civil uh, War days, including the abolitionist movement, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, Frederick Douglass and all of the people related to uh, William Wells Brown and, and, and etc., related to those struggles and coming forward to Buffalo's own Mary Talbert, to mm-hmm. Jesse Nash, etc. That's when you talk about a black community church, when you talk about a black congregation, it's the congregation that... Uh, that moves things. It's the congreg. That's where the wealth. It's the congregation that has those networks locally, statewide, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They don't. In, they don't exist in a vacuum or one thing. So you've got the congregation that moved there. So you had people like Adam Clayton Powell Jr., Martin Luther King, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that visited these various congregations after uh, uh, the transition, even to Humboldt Parkway, and that's our history. So all of those things are different layers that mm-hmm. there's no regard for at all. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm reading this uh, letter from Preservation Buffalo, Niagara, um, to the environmental specialist from the New York State Department of Transportation 
basically saying we do we we cannot concur with your findings that this project will have a determination of no effect. I, well, you know, it has an effect be, not only because of what it does, but because of what it prevents, because of what it doesn't do. History, there's only, there's one word for history, context, you know, and that context of why all of, the, even when they, and they, and they point out uh, uh, the acquiescence of the uh, state Office of Parks and Historic uh, Preservation, uh, open, SHPO, and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And uh, even they, when they agree with them, say that there will be a Humboldt Parkway District East and a Humboldt Parkway District West. And the thing that divides them is still this structure, this transportation. It doesn't unify anything. It reinforces the separation and the, and it prevents me from uncovering the Skajakwada Creek, mm. and mm. which is a historic. I mean, that's mm. the last path of the Underground Railroad. The Seneca. The, even the European fur trappers, Kanjakati, the guy, the last of the uh, uh, of the tribe that the Seneca displaced and whose Skajakwada Creek is actually named. You know, people didn't drive down expressway. The, 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 the Skajakwada right. was the route. That was mm-hmm. how you got, mm-hmm. you know, and it parallels the Ferry Street. So when you have W.E.B. Du Bois crossing uh, at what is now Freedom Park, but mm-hmm. Broderick Park, because that's the logical place. When he does that in 1905 at the foot of the Skajakwada, and when in 1901 W.E.B. Du Bois has an exhibit, and they just honored Barbara Nevergold Seals, oh, and uh, the TR site just honored those two wonderful folks for uh, the Uncrowned Kings that they did. But they were citing that W.E.B. Du Bois had an exhibit at the Pan Am. Uh, in 1901. Mm-hmm. So the Pan Am exhibit in 1901, if you were following the Skajakwada and the historic uh, Skajakwada Expressway, which they want to convert again uh, to a parkway, uh, if you followed that route and the historic Humboldt Parkway, again, connects to W.E.B. Du Bois at the, you know, History Museum and he comes back in 1901 and does the uh, essentially the founding of the NAACP starts there. And the founding of the NAACP in, involved these couple of magnificent but uh, Jewish women on the first board. And that's, and that's the history of that linkage during that time between the struggles of the Jewish people and the African-American people. And that's why that Humboldt, Parkway district held all of that stuff. And and uh, so when you disrespect, you're not just disrespecting the history of the black people. You're not mm-hmm. just disrespecting the history of the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. George Dito has a house on Humboldt Parkway that looks to St. Francis de Sales Church. St. Francis de Sales Church was one of the churches he designed, but he also designed Buffalo City Hall. I mean, you devil's advocate, but if the shit yeah. fits. <laughs> we, we, so we talked about uh, the project continuing to separate. Um, other folks that I've spoken with say 
this project is also, in effect, continuing to gentrify Buffalo's black community. Is that you see it that way, Terry, Gina? I don't see it that way. I, you know what? I think that that is, if you're going to, and, and just like Gina says, and I think she's an, a perfect candidate for, anyway. But, I mean, here's somebody that has lived in and that knows the, the, the community the way that I do. And so gentrification, we're talking about a, a robust community benefits agreement. And if you have a robust community benefits agreement, then the people that have been exploited for the last 40 or 50 years should should benefit from the, the project. Absolutely. Exactly. In other words, they're the stakeholders. Yes. So what they should do, if there is an increase in prop, property values and, and aesthetics around them, God bless all of us because we've borne the, the opposite for the 40 years. So if you had something as simple as whatever you want to call it, a star program, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. that capped uh, uh, tax rates, if you've lived in a home or owned a home for 20 or 30 years, your tax rate is, is uh, capped for the next whatever, 20, 30 years or uh, however you do it, then they would have, they would, the benefit in the, increase in property values, et cetera, would accrue to the people that made it happen, actually. Mm -hmm. It would increase, in a very tangible way, the wealth within the community, which should be held within the... And I'm not saying that you exclude anybody. I mean, if you are a bona fide, interested stakeholder willing to invest in that community, then this thing should be structured in such a way to incentivize exactly. the folks you want there, the folks that are going to contribute to it, and the folks that have contributed. No, you don't just raise the flag and say, take what you want the way you <laughs> exploit. That's what they're doing right now, putting six, $800 million in the pocket of some out-of-state or out-of-city uh, contractor mm -hmm. to build some monstrosity that continues a 50-year-old back-ass way of doing things, you know? And just just to uh, be clear, there is no community benefits agreement for uh, this project. Uh, you know or what? To be clear, this is the th they just put up a frequently asked question tab on this on this mm -hmm. site. I think it might have been a re as a re tacit response to my brochure, but I'm not going <laughs> to get into that right now. And 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 they claim now it's one of two ways. Either they're claiming that. Those funds can only be spent on the physical infrastructure of constructing this piece, in which case they're saying that there are no funds allocated to any of the people portion of it, which mm -hmm. is, okay, that would be one, one way of looking at it. But if, it is a, if it's the type of project that is designed to be uh, assisted by the Infrastructure Act and the, the Climate Resiliency Act and all of the other things that they're supposedly give smart growth, et cetera, et cetera, the, the, the effect on the, the environment is the people, right? So, I mean, the effect on the environment, the effect on the people is a part of it, and there's got to be funds, a robust, if I can cover the bloody project do a parkway all the way from the Elm Street to the AKG easily for under the 100 mil based on the, the, the practical knowledge of Rochester and their inner loop and all of those things. So we can cover it for a tenth of the price that they're allocating. We can rededicate that other money to things that 
were supposedly doing, like retreeing, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. We, there's an $8 million grant for the city to do. All of those things that are supposedly we're redoing, creating permeable uh, uh, areas for uh, combined sewer overflow. When you look at all of the regional outlooks and the things that they say you should do going forward, Citizens for Regional Transit ha- have a light rail transit proposal going from the uh, uh, airport to the Exchange Street station that should be a component of it. Waterkeeper wants to uh, uh, restore the watershed in a very big way. There's $10 million going to that in the northern end, $6 million in the southern end. It stops again at these same old disadvantaged census tracts where, bang, it stops right at the door, picks up again at the other side of it, at the door going out on the uh, floor. That's not by happenstance. It's been, uh, you know, like I say, I'm a historian. So, <laughs> you know, when I get into the redlining, when I get into the, uh, the, the whole context of this thing, it reinforces that it's the exploitation, the abuse, the disregard of a less than influential, you know, population. It, you're right. We're, we're, the community hasn't come together. The community hasn't stood up and said, because it's designed, that whole structure has been designed to disconnect this community for the last 50 years, and that design has worked. Mm-hmm. What will it take to bring this community together? Gina, you are community-motivated, um, yes, I'm Black Club president. I, yes, Black Club president. Does it will it does it take does it take a, a coming together of Black Club presidents to keep the community involved, educated about this project? Yes, yes. Um, I'm huge on black, black clubs, and I feel that if we all have different Black clubs right here, and if you have an issue, me and Terry should be pulling together to help you. Mm-hmm. That is what's mm-hmm. not going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And our Black clubs have to come together closer. And work together because I feel that once our city see how the block clubs are coming together and helping one another in one area, although we don't live there, right. when they see, I always say it's power in numbers. So whenever you see a group of people helping mm-hmm. one issue over here in South Buffalo, then you see the same group of people over here helping somebody on the west side. Now they say, Whoa, wait a minute, they're coming together. <laughs> so now they got to sit up and listen to us. So we, once again, community have to come together and work together. And it starts with black clubs because we are the glue to the city with the constituents and the elected officials. So when we come together, now Miss Smith sitting over there, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be bothered, I did that. And it's (laughs) now when they see, wait a minute, look at these three, been over and I've seen them over there. Now it gets catchy. So that's what needs to happen. Once the community see, because a lot of them, they have this mentality. It's always been like that. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, and they're right, set in right. their so ways. Same, and, same, you know, same old Same, so, old, yeah, same old thing. They're not going to do anything. Right. They yep. already did it anyway. And no, this is a new day. Yeah. We got to show right. them it's a new way. And until we do that, they're not going to listen. They're not going to. It's like, oh, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's those three again. They're down to, by themselves. But now when you got 15 others mm-hmm. coming to help these three. No, they said, wait a minute. Well, you know, we're fortunate. I mean, we didn't, we're, we're, unfortunately, uh, Candace Moppins wasn't able to join us today, but uh, she's a, she's a real involved, engaged, mm-hmm. uh, 
public servant type community piece that has been a tremendous asset. Uh, again, but that's sort of linking to exactly what uh, Gina just said, that Delvin Grider community, the Hamlin Park community, the uh, Trinidad Block Club community. Uh, folks are starting to get real information, not mm-hmm. misinformation, and perspective on what these guys are proposing and the way they're proposing it and what they're proposing and what it... And they keep telling you that the primary thing is... There's two primary things, connecting the community and maintaining uh, vehicle miles traveled, et cetera. Meanwhile, they're disconnecting mm-hmm. the community. Mm-hmm. They're creating, they're, they're going to create a tremendous bottleneck of all of the traffic that feeds between Fillmore and Jefferson and Best and Delavan coming off and getting on mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. this Best Street roundabout and traveling a single lane to feed every side street that comes off of it within that corner. I mean, that's that's going to be the reality for me. Is that I'll be have I'll be lucky to get out of the driveway at eight thirty in the morning mm-hmm. because there's got there's to be, be a so continuous much, yeah, stream yeah, going yeah. down to get onto the expressway through the only route that will be right. open. They are disconnecting uh, mm-hmm. us from the new project they're doing because. A tunnel doesn't have those on and off ramps. No, they don't. Right. It's a straight shot. Yeah, that was one of the concerns that was yeah, that, uh, at, yeah, that at, is a at huge the meeting. Concern it's going to be Terry, huge. Yeah, I mean, and you got to think of those that live right there on Humboldt. He's right. He will not get out of his driveway. No time soon. In the morning. It's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, one thing I do have to say when you mention roundabouts, I am <laughs> a thousand percent for roundabouts, and I'm going to tell mm-hmm. you why. Uh, the first one I seen was on Kensington and Harlem. Right. Mm-hmm. And when they showed mm-hmm. on the news, I'm sitting up there, I'm watching the ladies driving. I'm going, oh, my God, they looked so lost. <laughs> now, uh, years ago, the city had uh, introduced a project called SEPTED, which is Crime Prevention Through Environmental Design. And so when I took that training, it really opened my eyes. Like, now, mm-hmm. if I go out of town and I see a dark area, I go, that's an ambush spot. Mm-hmm. You know, so even lighting and the main yeah, thing yeah. that was, like, forced in our head was maintenance. That's a huge thing too. Yeah. Who's gonna we'll maintain? To Who's well, yeah. gonna maintain? So that's a whole nother one. Right. But so we'll circle again, back to that. So once again, when we talk about the roundabouts, they are perfect calming measures. And I didn't understand that until I kept watching and I had to go that way because I go to the mm-hmm, doctor's mm-hmm, and the grocery. Mm-hmm. So I had to, you know, learn that. Mm-hmm. But when I took that training, Buffalo has a horrible, horrible record of speeding. The speed bumps that we have in this city, I'm, I'm going to speak from my street, it's a joke. Now, we had some years before the ones we have now, and they literally slowed down the traffic. They were high enough that once you hit that first one, you're going to be screaming, hollering, cussing yeah. to yourself in the car, <laughs> and we watch and laugh. But that next one, when you get to it, you're slowing down. Yes. So it did make a difference with the speeding. These here, we watch them. Boom, boom. Keep going. Boom, boom. So it doesn't matter. So when you have roundabouts in one area that we definitely is pushing to get one, it's a traffic accident corner. And when you have a roundabout, it will help traffic mm-hmm. not just come dashing out. Is that at uh, best and... Well, that's the one that the DOT wants to put. Yes. The one that's an accident corner is Walden, Genesee, and... <clears throat> wow. That corner so- is horrific. 
again, all of the high accident, you call it the Corn. accident corner. Yeah. I'm, I'm used to Utica and Ferry Hubble. Street. Well, yes. And Hubble. Oh, and and there are four times the accident. Every rate. time. Why is it that the only accidents that they're, cons and they're talking about there'll be an increase or whatever, are along that structure, one way or another? You know, and it's, uh, if you count the fatalities on mm. the 33, and I mean, you have to count it all the way from uh, Elm Oak to, mm -hmm. let's just go to the, where it, the 198 meets. Okay. Uh, I'm, the 198 connection, you know, I'll give, uh, the, it's another thing past, let's say, Fillmore Grider. But the number of fatalities along that, which count all the, the wrong way people, include the poor lady that died in the blizzard, uh, one or two of them, one going to the uh, Broadway market and the other a, a, a care worker, that's never counted. You know, the inaccessibility, the, the wrong way, the motorcyclist, besides being a constant noise thing, hmm. uh, the, the thing that happens with that and those guys that have passed, including people that I know, it's... All of these things are factors that are not being fairly weighed in this. And uh, that's if you give it an honest look, there is no real advantage. Let's just put it this way. I don't have to speculate. I look at Chapin, Bidwell, Elmwood, mm -hmm. and Delaware. Now, when Fillmore Avenue and Jefferson Avenue can equate to the amount of vehicles traveled on Elmwood and Delaware on any given day, that's another 10 years away. Mm -hmm. Why is there no outcry about traffic, about accidents mm -hmm. on Chapin, Bidwell, et cetera, et cetera, and what it does to that community? And, I mean, you don't... This is the, the system. The system's designed, and it was designed to work, and it worked on the west side, which is why Elmwood Village was one of the best neighborhoods in the country rated for the last 20 or 30 years. It worked a treat to, 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 to develop, you know, small businesses, interchange, flow, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. Et cetera. That's the same system, except you ripped out the, the parkway on this side. Restore that grid. Restore yes. that parkway. You've got the same design. Right. Where you don't have to speculate. It's there. I see it every day. You know, if I'm coming off at Gate Circle and it looks like I'm jammed at uh, uh, Delavan, Delaware, I just shoot down Chapin Parkway and boom. So that, and there's, there's ways that they direct right. Traffic. There's a hundred different options. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying, you know, all of that stuff is there. All you have to do is do it the right way. <laughs> right now, now it's time for me to uh, sheepishly sheepishly admit that I live uh, in the Elmwood Village <laughs> over by Bidwell. <laughs> So you know. Yeah, I know. It's a lived experience. Exactly. And it's it one is. of the, listen, I used to work at the, uh, when it was the Lexington co-op. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you go back. I mean, that's, I uh, went to school over, that, that's the city of Buffalo. Even though it might have been Irish, Polish, German, black, et cetera, et cetera, there was flow between the different neighborhoods, the community. Yes. My dad, my granddad used to walk to the Broadway market from Florida Street, did a water ride. That was his, mm -hmm. you know, so, and so the, the, the opportunity to walk, to, to play football, to play tag, to mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. While we're doing, it's not, you're not going to have mature trees the first, uh, 
10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. So that's your opportunity to say, hey, here's a, a community garden. Here's a pollinator patch. Here's right. what, and to teach the kids while, yes. teach the kids, you know, I, I go out, I could go out there, do my little Tai Chi, you know, I can walk for <laughs> right. or just, you know, uh, but while it's developed, that's planning. Mm hmm. You know, to plant, they don't even know who's going to be maintaining. That's uh, that's that, the that, point that, of that I was just yes, about to get to. Yes. Just well, to segue let's into, just let's there's no plan for maintenance, maintenance. of the tree-lined parkway we can, we tunnel can, on top of the tunnel. We can see the care and stewardship and level of maintenance from the New York State Department of Transportation by looking at what is there now. <laughs> I but mean, I will say that. The maintenance can come from the community. Well, so, the that be, so that should so be. So that should be. Most definitely. From, plan, the, from the state plan, on right. down. State on and, down. And, and exactly. exactly. And, so, and that can be a teaching experience for the, the kids the and et cetera. Et cetera. And the adults as well. Bang. Yes. Connect them right yes. from the start. Yes. Exactly. Would either of you like to see an itemized cost sheet to see where and what this money, this $1.5 billion, yes. uh, uh, as is current? currently estimated is being spent on uh, you've got a john you've got a huge smile <laughs> you know what <laughs> it, the sheet right now that only tells whatever part of the story that it tells yes. but there's uh if they've allocated and i think it's roughly 770 million or something for the construction cost and then they've allocated a certain amount for the inflation rate mm-hmm and then there's, uh, you know, the soft cost, et cetera, et cetera. There's different things in that. And, and they detail it. That's where you find some interesting things in the um, report. $14 million for right-of-way. Now, right-of-way and administration, it's called. So that's a lot of money. We're not midtown Manhattan mm -hmm. in terms of property value right now so i mean to spend 14 million dollars on a project that is approximately one mile long over four years I, you, it, it's it, it's in it's, it's on the books there it's got you thinking <laughs> <laughs> it's on the, but what how's that spent that that's not in there you know and mm -hmm. who gets that money who what what's the piece how's that dispersed and who gets a piece of what et cetera et cetera i've been around this uh thing for a while and i'll just put it that way if they if if they've already allocated the 1.2 million in the larger sense uh, in the vernacular the turf it's already whacked up people know what their cut is and who and where they're going to get in and fit in and who's going to eat where and the promise of off street parking and the promise of infill that's associated with the other uh the corridor stuff and it it's a mixed bag there's a lot of promises we always uh they always get a couple people to eat the crumbs and carry the flag but it doesn't tell you the real story of who gets what for what and how it's going down so let me ask you terry with that being said, as a stakeholder that they have for the from the community, mm -hmm. would the stakeholders be getting more of that information? No. The truth? Okay, that's <laughs> no. what I wanted to know. Because the reason why I ask is because, once again, how would we, the community, 
hopefully want to trust that we're getting their word as to including the community with mm-hmm. the CBO. How would we know? Yeah, right. Got say, you. Okay, a, well, a disclosure. Okay, this is what we're gonna thing. do. We're gonna let you. Uh, do this piece, and we're gonna set aside fifteen million. Okay, so how would you get confirmation that that's gonna happen? I don't. You know what? I've, I've got a couple basic rules of life. One of them is follow the money. You know, <laughs> you, know okay. you know, if you follow the money, you right. learn a lot. Right. You know, who's got what? But I, all of that is supposedly uh, that depends on the contract the bid, yada, yada, all of those sort of things, not to say how they write a bid as to the RFP, the request mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. proposal. Mm-hmm. You know, you write the RFP and, wow, there's only two contractors that can meet those right, specifications. Right, right. You know, uh, all of that kind of stuff. And then once it's, uh, you know, how it's dispersed to who it's dispersed and who has an interest in it or an expectation at this point. What is... What's next in this process for the community? What else can residents do moving forward to make certain their voice continues to be heard? Well, what Gina Davis plan to do is um, engage more with with, uh, the DOT. I'm not going to just sit back and wait and hear in the news or what they're doing. I'm going to be calling. I'm going to be contacting them. I'm going to stay more engaged than I have ever been in this project. So that is what Gina Davis is going to do. You're taking the rest of the black clubs with you. You know it. Yes, I am. Well, I... Because we have to. This is a must. And and to me, it's a much bigger issue than just my community. It's an environmental issue. It's Mm -hmm. a huge environmental issue. Um, I'm also uh, on the board of the Pollinator uh, Conservation Association. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and the only endangered species in the area (laughs) is the monarch butterfly. So... You know, to me, the potential to have uh, favorable habitat uh, along that corridor for both the uh, butterfly and uh, we're also a major migratory bird corridor. Mm -hmm. You know, in in that time that I'm waiting for those trees to mature, Mm -hmm. those sort of things. So um, to engage the large, the community at large, those that would love every single plan for the city of Buffalo and the region talks about the restoration and the development of the Olmstead Parkway system. The one question we haven't got to is what would you like to see done? With this section of the 33? I would like to see it closed off. Um, and the community. Like filled in? Yes, fill it in. Just fill it in. And when I asked one of the, the presenters of the project, the very first time I went, and this is when I first heard about the 70,000 commuters coming in and out of the city, and I said, so we, the city constituents, are going to be inconvenienced for over 70,000 coming in and out of our city to make sure they get back and forth to work. I said, absolutely not. Let's flip the tables and say, we had a job out in the suburbs, and they're going to tear up, <laughs> they're going to tear up their city so we can, get we can get back and forth. Uh-huh. Absolutely not. It's not going to go right, down. Right. So once again, looking at it from my point of view, I would love to see it closed in and join the communities back together and have the beautiful habitat. Just have more engagement of our community. And DOT can do this project 
And we all come together and work together. Because I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to take this to the word. Our life is not our own. Okay? And if we don't help mm. one another, you'll pay for that on Judgment Day. And and I'm just going to keep it right there because it's so much that I hear about just just selfness. Selfness. Mm-hmm. And, and oh, there's money in it and, and they're getting paid. Somebody's getting paid. You got to stop it. Because this is why our world is the way it is today. And I'm talking from this pandemic all the way up to this project. Terry, what would you like to see done with the 33? I'll keep it simple. And I say keep it simple. Do the right thing. I know this $1.5 billion is coming from federal and state transportation departments. Could that $1.5 billion be put to better use in the city? And how? It's, it's just a part of it. I mean, this is the project. So a project involves people. You know, I mean, you, you, in other words, with the same amount of money, within the same time frame, you could have 250, 300 million going into various community benefit stuff, which might be restoration and repair of historic property from a whole cadre of people that are taught to be artisans, uh, uh carpenters, masons, et cetera, et cetera. So employing them for the next 20 years um, on the basis of just community benefits and infrastructure and making it more, uh, you know, energy independent. And you might have $200 million going to infill. And that mm-hmm. infill property would be designed to be compatible with whatever's there and encourage, you know, single family, double family homes that fit into that community in the building of them. That's a project that, that puts money in and restores the vitality of it. Gina? No, I was told that if we did not go with this project, the $1.5 billion goes back and we would not get it. That's only if you don't, I, you know what, they, as I say, they engineered the project to come up with, to only justify the alternative that they mm-hmm. wanted. Okay. That, that there's, if you put the right alternatives on the table, come up with the right one, do it the right way, and spend the money while it's there. All right. And that's that's it for this episode of What's Next. I want to thank my guests, Gina Davis, thank the you. the president of Just Breathe Block Club Association, yeah. and preservationist, historian, pollinator. I'm I'm glad you're using those words because <laughs> people use others. Uh, <laughs> Terry Robinson. <laughs> I want to thank you both for joining us today. Uh, it's, it's been, been a pleasure. It's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you guys thank so you. much. Thank you. Since the recording of this episode, the New York State Department of Transportation has extended the public comment period for environmental assessment by two weeks, making Friday, November 10th, the end date for public comment. This is WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOL and Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station. That about does it for this episode of What's Next. This has been Thomas O'Neill White. Thank you very much for listening.